everybody, it is Gemma from Grow Your Mindset. I'm super, super excited today because for our Mindset and You interview, I've got the lovely Adrian Bethune with us, um, who I met um, online ages ago on through LinkedIn. But then since then, um, I've read his book as well, excellent book, Wellbeing in the Classroom. Um, and he's going to have a chat with us today about mindset. So I'm not going to say too much more because I'm going to let Adrian introduce himself. So introduce yourself, Adrian. Tell us about where you're up to at the moment. What's your current role and who are you? Uh, so I'm Adrian Bethune. I'm a, a primary school teacher. teach part-time now. This is my 10th year of teaching. Um, I'm also a governor, uh, the lead wellbeing governor at the school that I teach in. Um, as you said, I'm an author. wrote the book Wellbeing in the Primary Classroom. And I've just finished co-writing a second book uh, called A Little guide to teacher well-being and self-care uh, with Dr. Emma Kell is another teacher uh, and yeah three years ago because uh, I got a LinkedIn reminder <laughs> reminding me I set up Teach Happy um, which is me working as a freelancer going into schools uh, training staff working with children about the best ways of developing their own well-being but also the well-being of the people around them so yeah that's me in a nutshell so you said you've been teaching for 10 years. So mm. um, what came before that? And then how have you sort of got where, where you are from going from a, being a teacher full time and then actually one day a week that it is now? So what, what's yeah. been the journey there? Um, so before I got into teaching, I worked in the music industry, in music publishing. Um, and yeah, it was in my late 20s. I'd just bought my first flat. Uh, everything on paper was really rosy and heading in the right direction and then um, yeah things just started to kind of unravel for me and I started to feel uh, a bit anxious and in a way that I hadn't felt I'd experienced anxiety before when there were like nerve-wracking things to do but this was like a bubbling anxiety that just wasn't mm -hmm. going away it was it was linked to the flat like I suddenly felt like this massive pressure of having a mortgage it was 2008 so global world yeah. financial crisis has kicked <laughs> in um and yeah just the, there were kind of significant couple of significant relationships that um kind of broke down at that time in my life and yeah it went into acute anxiety that led to a, a bout of depression and you know as someone that had worked really hard at school university um i do remember thinking at the time like i have all of these qualifications all of this knowledge but I had no idea how to help myself get better or feel better mm. um, and then kind of went on this journey of like helping myself get better and also trying to understand what was happening to me yeah. so I went to see a, a counsellor on the recommendation of a friend I started to read about anxiety and depression the causes and basically learned a whole load of stuff that I one massively helped me and two I wish I'd known about earlier in life because I also think it could have helped me not you know with anxiety and depression just general like life yeah. skills uh, and I also realized there's a whole science of well-being so not just how do we help people with anxiety and depression but actually how do we help people just lead well-rounded fulfilling lives um and then part of my research uh, showed that um, people that volunteer, some of the 
happiest people. So I, um, I volunteered uh, with a charity called Chance UK and mentored a, a boy for a year. It was a boy living in Hackney. He was being taught in a pupil behavioral unit. Um, so he's at risk of being kicked out of mainstream school and also uh, volunteered to be a governor at my local school where a really good friend from uni was a teacher, primary school teacher. Anyway, those two things just made me reflect that, uh, you know, I was getting way more out of the mentoring and the school governing than I was my job in the music industry. So mm -hmm. I decided to retrain in 2010. Um, and with this vision of focusing on children's well-being as well as teaching them the, the national curriculum. Yeah. And the reality just didn't live up to uh, my aims and visions. And I, yeah, several times considered dropping out in my mm -hmm. first year of teaching. I just thought this is it's too stressful. It's too um, intense on the children. It's all about yeah. progress, next steps. Yeah. Um, and a couple of really lucky things happened. A friend on my teacher training course lent me a book called Teaching Happiness and Wellbeing in Schools by a teacher called Ian Morris. He was a secondary school teacher, but I started to kind of read the book and apply some of the ideas in my yeah. classroom. And then I was watching telly in the Easter holidays and I saw the launch of a charity called Action for Happiness. Uh, and I went along to the launch and Sir Anthony Selden, who at the time was headmaster of a school called Wellington College, which is actually where Ian Morris teaches, um, was basically just saying our school system is sick, schools are becoming exam factories, we need to focus on the well-being of children and teachers in order to foster better learners but also a happier society. Yeah. And all of these things were like, yes, like this is why I got into teaching. So I just started to make some tweaks and focus on well-being just in my classroom just introduced a few little ideas uh, one of which was just like a mindfulness meditation practice in the morning mm. um i'd read about growth mindset in in morris's book and started to introduce some of those ideas and yeah it just kind of spread from there head teacher liked what i was doing in class asked me to do a staff training in school which i did just went on other courses about positive psychology read more books um yeah and just started to just apply the ideas in my school spread them among the teachers did workshops for parents um yeah that's how it, that's how it began but you know it's, it's interesting how you say that those skills that you learn about anxiety and depression and all that knowledge came when you were in a job, when you had a flat and, you know, you were being the adults mm. and you wish those would have come sooner. And that's exactly what, um, you know, me and, me and Liz are, are, are trying to do as well. That we sometimes forget those bit, those life skills, don't we? That actually it's not just about all the academics, that it is about building the life skills as, as soon as possible so that our children can thrive as they get older and they do mm. get a mortgage in a flat and, and, and all the rest of it. Um, and that, very similar to you, that's what sort of felt like or feels like is missing a little bit in education. Yeah. But you need that strong person to go, no, this is what our, um, our school is. This is what's important to us and your head teacher noticing that actually these things are working in your classroom and, and let's take them forward. That's really interesting. So in terms of you, you've obviously your well-being in the primary classroom covers a whole range of different things that we can try. 
um, in our classroom. And and what I've liked about it is they are some like pick up and literally run with it. It's it does it's um, simple things that maybe we haven't really thought about the impact of them, like your mindfulness sessions and things like mm -hmm. that. But if we think about the chapter where you focused on mindset, how do you think that that sort of impacted on you? Finding out that knowledge of mindset and developing mindset in the classroom, how has that impacted on you personally and professionally, do you think? I think um, personally it's, it's helped me, well, and, and professionally as well, it's helped me like approach know how to approach scary things yeah. and, and understand that whenever you learn something new or are in a new situation, whatever, uh, you are going to feel and experience some, some kind of fear, some thoughts of kind of self-doubt. Um, you might get, which I definitely got during writing the book, like imposter syndrome. Mm -hmm. um, so just kind of negative thoughts like you're not, qualified to write this book who are you to be an expert and talk on the you know give a keynote to all of those kind of things and yeah it's I, I have learned as an adult that every time that you kind of grow by doing challenging things by doing things that are new um there's going to be uncomfortable thoughts and feelings that accompany that and when you learn how to manage them and handle them um it's not that the fear goes away, but it lessens and you yeah. actually just get used to it. So mm -hmm. if I'm about to give a, a keynote talk and there's a room full of, you know, a couple hundred people to understand, okay, the, these nerves are here. This is all part of the process. Whereas I think as a younger adult and even as a child, those nerves, those anxious feelings and stuff, they would make me want to avoid yeah. situations. And sometimes I would, yeah uh, whereas an adult i'm learning just to approach things yeah. uh, particularly if it's things i really want to do there were things as a kid i really wanted to do um but if it was too scary i just wouldn't do it um, yeah and sometimes as parents as well when, when we're dealing with young children who are frightened of something or scared about doing something new sometimes we withdraw that opportunity from them as well don't mm. we yeah yeah yeah, there's there's a there's a book I love called Happier by a psychologist called Tal Ben Shahar, and I quote this section in my book, and he talks about struggle, and that he says that parents and even teachers, in wanting to protect their children, in wanting them to be happy, yeah. they sometimes take struggle away and think actually if we make things nice and easy and smooth, then that's how we can look after our kids best. Yeah, and he says actually we deny them amazing opportunities to overcome challenges which builds up their confidence builds up their levels of well-being because going ahead in into adult life you're going to come across loads of difficulties mm -hmm. and you need that resilience those inner resources um yeah and the other thing as, as a professional teacher like you become aware of your the limits that you place on certain classes or certain children and even parents like you know you become aware of the mental conversations you have and where you are limiting certain people by the thoughts and and beliefs that you hold and so you can let go of them it's only by being aware 
of the thoughts and mental process you're going through can you then do something about it otherwise it's all unconscious yeah um so yeah just just not putting limits on on children not uh at the beginning of my career i would have definitely said oh you know that group they're they're going to yeah. struggle with this or that child is not going to get there or that child if we if i give him this line in the school play he's going to really panic mm. and you're just limiting children the whole time and i think mindset work has really opened up my eyes to the limits not only i place on myself but other people and yeah absolutely that's brilliant and then you know in we obviously we impact on mindset all the time whether we like it or not but the messages that we give are either going to promote more of a fixed mindset or they're going to promote more of a growth mindset and obviously um we're, we're trying to work as hard as we can to promote that growth orientated mindset in a classroom so why do you think that that is so important especially now um, but in the world of education, why is developing a more of a growth orientated approach what teachers and, and schools should be focusing on? Um, there's a chapter in my book called How Our Thoughts Shape Our World. And, and you know, it, it completely links to the, the other chapter on growth mindset, because mm. essentially the, the stories we tell ourselves, the thoughts we have, um, the way we explain our lives and our experiences, they, they literally shape our world. They, they shape what we can do, what we can't do, what we believe we can achieve and what we can't achieve. And if we want children to, to, con continue, to, uh, to continue to <laughs> learn and to grow, we need them to believe that that is possible for them. Yeah. If, um, you know, if children have fixed ideas about what they are capable of doing um it will become a, a self-fulfilling prophecy mm -hmm. where they believe they can or can't do something and they end up proving themselves right because that's essentially how human behavior works yeah. um uh you know do we want children to believe that they can only do a certain amount of things in which case they're going to give up when they when they face barriers and it's just gonna it's gonna limit their potential we want all children to believe that they can improve essentially anything we're not growth mindset is not about teaching children that they can all be Lionel Messi's or Beethoven's or um Michelle Obama's or Beyonce's you know that at the absolute top of their game but it is about you everybody can improve at the things that they want to improve at yeah um, and it's through that continual growth and improvement that it, it fosters even more so a growth mindset and you start to apply it to other areas of your life um, mm. so you know you can have as you as you well know you can have a growth mindset in one area of your life and a fixed mindset in another um, and it's about trying to apply that growth mi mindset to as many areas of your life as possible yeah so it's it's fun it's absolutely fundamental to learning having a growth mindset because a fixed mindset limits what you can learn essentially yeah you know? and ultimately like you say those thoughts that you have if we're having a much more positive inner dialogue with ourselves surely that's then having a, a positive impact on our well-being as well isn't it yeah there's just on that point there's there's a lot of research around um positive emotions and their importance particularly by uh 
professor called Barbara, Barbara Fredrickson. And what she's found, she developed this broadened, uh, broaden and build theory, which is that when we experience positive emotions, um, we typically, we broaden our horizons. So literally we see more, we take in more information, we become more flexible with our thinking, we become better at problem solving. These are all fundamental skills in order to learn. Yeah. Uh, and then we also build like social capital. We, we tend to get on better with other people. We build our relationships. So yeah, growth mindset, having that positive outlook, that positive self-concept, self-esteem uh, is really important for experiencing positive emotions mm. in your life, but also in the classroom. And these help you, yeah, think better, learn more. Mm. So these are yeah, fundamental skills for the classroom. Yeah. So have you got um, sort of like a ta-da moment where something's, you know, you've been promoting um, mindset development, growth mindset, and there's either been a child or an individual that has, has, has really had a bit of a light bulb moment. Um, has anything ever happened like that to you before? Yeah. Do you know what? When, when I read that question, I immediately thought of examples from the classroom, but which I can share, but I also thought about me teaching my son how to learn to ride his bike during lockdown. Uh, okay. Because it's so, that's so recent and current for me right now. So my son was on, had a balance bike um, for, I don't know, a year or so. So those bikes without pedals where you just push along and you, he, yeah, great fun. Yeah. Getting that <laughs> center of balance. So then during lockdown, it's far too small for him. So we, we bought him a, a pedal bike because we thought whilst we're at home, let's try and use our time wisely. And basically I've been trying to foster a growth mindset in terms of my son learning to ride the bike. And, you know, he's gotten really frustrated in mm -hmm. the process because he wants to be able to do it straight sure. away. And I've just been, and, and at times he's wanted to give up, like he lovely brand new shiny bike, which he was in love with and literally didn't want to let out of his sight. And then the other yeah. day he was kicking its front tire saying stupid bike. Yeah. <laughs> Cause he couldn't <laughs> master it. But you know, from my experience, growth mindset and promoting mindset is less about kind of light bulb and tadama moments that that's happened, but it's more about just real small incremental changes uh, and that's partly because you have to constantly drip feed the, the messages and reinforce them. So I've been saying to Eli, my son, like literally every minute that you are learning, that you're practicing riding your bike, your brain is learning how to, to do it better. So that the next time, the next day we come out, you will be riding your bike slightly better than you did the day before. Mm. And, and it has been quite a slow journey but it's also about like pointing out to him the small improvements that he's made um so like the other day it was like oh Eli do you remember yesterday like we were we were doing laps around this park you had to stop like three or four times like we've just done a whole lap and you haven't stopped once yeah it's like pointing out the the small improvements that he might not yeah. notice before it's about breaking down the complex task of riding a bike to today we're just going to practice you gliding along and putting your feet on the pedals mm. 
and then kind of practice that for that session and then the next day okay we're going to practice steering and i'd set up like little obstacles for him to kind of go around just to like zigzagging out yeah next day it was like breaks like and that that to me is is well is some of the strategies i use in the classroom mm. and because of that it's it is a long process mm. but um the the progress is really real and it's really visible particularly when you break stuff down and you just think like let's just try and master this small component of riding the bike and it's kind of like okay we've done that now we can move on to this and you just yeah. build up from there and like the other day we went out for a family bike ride um and like literally he's he can now push himself off by himself i don't have to push him along he can use his brakes going downhill he can stop when he wants to and carry on he can move out the way if another cyclist is coming and like he said to me like my wife sam said oh you know your bike riding is so it's gotten so good because she hasn't seen him ride for a few days and he's like mum it's because i've been doing so much practice oh. and it's like he's now i think genuinely like internalizing yeah the the messages that i've been drip feeding mm. and this is essentially like how you mold a growth mindset it's carefully choosing your words it's about the phrase that you give and how you give it it's about the feedback you give it's about the messages it's about uh modeling it um we'll come on to this a bit later but you know me as i'm cycling next to him telling him about how it was when i was a boy trying to learn how to ride the bike yeah. and my frustrations um, and, yeah. yeah yeah so so that to me is the most recent growth mindset yeah uh, and, I, and with that question, I, in, in some ways, it's a little bit of a trick question because I always stick in the ta-da just to see yeah. what people will say. And this sort of leads into my next question, really, because that is a real common misconception that you're going to do this growth mindset stuff in your classroom or with your children at home. And, you know, in a couple of weeks, we're going to have fixed the mindset of our, our children and, and it's not that at all it is a journey isn't it it's a real process and and like you say it can take a, a long time just you know for one one thing to mm. uh, to stick like with riding your bike um and it's it's just that continuous journey okay we've mastered the bike what what's next what are we going to do mm. now it's a, a continuous journey and and i think that's where my next question sort of comes in really because growth mindset has or Carol Dweck's research, I should say, has had a bit of a bad press in, a ter in terms of it doesn't work or it, it's, it's namby-pamby or whatever it is. Um, why, why do you think that is? And, and what would you say now reflecting upon that? Um, yeah, I think in the past, it, her research has been um, oversold. Um, as in, it's been in some quarters kind of yeah given as a quick fix like just just tell children it's about effort just tell children praise them for their hard work and then that's how you develop a growth mindset mm -hmm. and like i'll admit right in the early days when i read about growth mindset you know i was sold on that quick fix idea that that's all you have to say just have to praise them for their effort and their persistence and yeah. that, that's it um but I think one of the reasons is most, well, a lot of people have not actually read 
one Carol Dweck's book, Mindset, mm. two, read some of the, the research around growth mindset. Like my first um, introduction to growth mindset was an article about growth mindset. And it was an article in a magazine and it completely oversold it and sim oversimplified it. Yeah. Um, so I think, yeah, there's, there's a bit of a pushback on it because in, it has been oversold. Um, so I compare it to mindfulness. I'm a big advocate of mindfulness and sometimes mindfulness is oversold and oversimplified yeah. and mindfulness and growth mindset are, are slow burning, gradual trainings. Essentially it's yeah. not a, you know, I did an eight week course in mindfulness right at the beginning, but that it doesn't mean that's it. Oh, I'm mindful now. It's no. practice daily. And it's the same with growth mindset. When you, notice you're in a situation where you're having fixed thoughts or beliefs about situations it's about challenging them it's about you know understanding your mindset in different situations i also think education typically in the past has been full of fads so things come in they become very popular maybe a change of government happens and then that's no longer popular anymore um but yeah like i said with the example of my son my uh, mindset takes time it's about continuous reinforcement and actually the gains from the research the gains are small mm. but in educational terms they're significant mm. and this is why people like um professor dylan william um who i've interviewed on my website and i've read articles when he's talked about growth mindset it's like it's a low cost um intervention it's a uh, the gains are small but over a course of a lifetime in education they're really significant so why would you not yeah kind of apply growth mindset ideas in your classroom yeah um yeah and i just i just think there's a lot of misunderstanding mm. about what it is um and people need to to know more yeah and she's constantly revising her, her original research isn't she mm. by you know exploring it deeper or updating it so it, it is sort of like keeping on top of, of what else she's finding out and discovering as well mm. um so if somebody was to say okay um this sounds great this sounds just like what i want to do in my classroom i want to um, encourage growth mindset in my classroom and apart from obviously having us in of course to discuss it with them what yeah. would you be what would your top five tips be for someone wanting to develop growth mindset i would say the first thing is is to to read about it understand what it is um understand what it isn't read carol dweck's book which is really easy to to read read also the research the research that she's done there are, like you don't have to be an academic to to read the at least the summaries of some of the papers but but read the papers that show that it can work and be effective but also read the ones that show that it isn't mm. because you know you need to be balanced and and you can learn from what doesn't work as well as what does work yeah i'd say once you have a good understanding start to implement some of the ideas in your classroom on a small scale mm. uh, and accept that it's going to take time and that you're not going to see dramatic changes overnight uh, but what i mean when i say on a small scale don't just think right growth mindset going to do it on a whole school like yeah. immediately straight away 
So the next step is once, let's say you are kind of really keen on growth mindset and the ideas and you're applying it in your classroom. The next step after that, I would say is share the ideas in your staff room, like train other teachers and then also uh, hold workshops for parents. That was one thing I've done in my last couple of schools is hold workshops because it's really important if teachers in schools are reinforcing messages to develop a growth mindset, yeah. it can be either reinforced at home or it can be completely undone at home. So it's important that everyone's singing from the same hymn sheet. Yeah. Number four, I'd say is to model a growth mindset. It's really important as teachers, teaching assistants, head teachers, educators, parents, that we show to our children that you know we can embrace our mistakes that we are challenging ourselves that we can that we're continually learning and growing and trying to get better at stuff um yeah so we need to model it we can't yeah. expect them to to exhibit a growth mindset if we're staying safely in our comfort zones not exactly. trying anything new yeah and the last thing i would say is it's really i think it's really good to have um role models uh, that that bring growth mindset to life so you can kind of spotlight on particular people that maybe children look up to athletes writers actors that talk about and have written about their like, overcoming difficulties overcoming a challenge like them, them exhibiting a growth mindset i also think it can be really helpful to get kind of outsiders into a school so either like people like yourself grow, uh, grow your mindset kind of workshops or, um, you know, in the past in schools I've worked in, we've had like team GB athletes come in and they've, they've talked about, I was sat where you were sat, you know, I was a eight year old boy and I had this dream to, um, be an athlete, but I had, you know, fixed ideas about this. And there's mm -hmm. a guy right about in my book called Mike Mullin who does workshops around growth mindset and, and his whole story is that at school, he had a completely fixed mindset. He thought he was good at some things, bad at others. Mm -hmm. And it was only when he got a BMX and realized that every time he made a mistake on his BMX, he'd learned something new. And, and it was literally learning the BMX that developed his growth mindset. And he went on to be world champion. And so I think that, yeah, right. those, those can be uh, really useful getting outsiders in that model it as well. Mm -hmm. so those are my my five things is read about it implement on the small scale first train other teachers and, and parents do workshops for them model it yourself and then get role models get outsiders in that also demonstrate um, it as well yeah and share their story with children oh they're great tips super tips for somebody to get started now like we said at the beginning you are uh, in class one one day a week but very very busy the other the other times of the week um, so if people wanted to get in touch with you, Adrian, what's the best place or um, how, how, what's the best thing for us to do if we want to get in touch? So I'm on Twitter at Adrian Bethune. Um, my website is teachhappy with one H dot co uk. I'm on LinkedIn. So there's lots of different ways you can get in touch. Um, yeah, always happy to respond to tweets. And, and you've got your obviously you've got your well-being in the primary classroom book, which is out now. Mm. And then you mentioned off air that you've you've got an, another one coming out soon. Yeah, little guide to teacher well-being and self-care. It's not out till October. Got um, something for us to definitely look out for. Yeah, definitely. <laughs>
Well, it's been an absolute pleasure speaking to you today. Thank you very much for giving up your time and knowing how incredibly busy you are. Uh, but good luck with the book. I will be definitely um, on the uh, reserve list for that <laughs> one. Um, and um, I hope to speak to you again soon. Cool. Thanks, Gemma. Thanks for having me. Take care.